Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We are glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally together. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. I want to thank um, Matt Hollingsworth for giving me the opportunity to preach this morning and the church as well. Um, I'm, I'm happy to, to be up here to be able to, to share the, the word of the Lord with you. Uh, for the month of August, we will be in a series called Not Ashamed. So this is a, the series title, Not Ashamed, and I'm looking forward to, to sharing, you, sharing with you messages uh, about the gospel and about our church and about ourselves and who we are as a, as a people of, of God. Uh, before we get rolling, we will be in, in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. You can turn there. Before we get rolling there... I'd like to uh, share with you a couple of exciting things that are happening in the life of our church. Number one, April 21st, the year was 2018. We launched a new church. It was called Renewal Church. Many of you know it. Many of you have probably visited there. Uh, Some of you have been keeping tabs on how it's going. Uh, We had a three-year covenant with them to support Renewal Church with finances, through prayer and such. And we will continue to pray for Renewal Church, but they are ahead of schedule on their launch. And as of yesterday, July 31st, we no longer have to support them financially as a church. They are self-autonomous. The, the Lord has blessed them richly. And, and uh, they have grown from that, that baby to the child to the, adult, uh, to the teenage church where they needed a little bit of money. But now they're adults and they don't need any more money from us. And we have sent them out and, and God has blessed them. So, so. Of course, Matthew Levine, uh, God has blessed uh, through Matthew as, as their pastor and Colton White as their associate pastor. And, and uh, many of our own church members, uh, we, we launched... Uh, we're launched with Renewal Church. And, and so just, uh, of course, we're going to continue to pray for them and we will continue to partner with them in the gospel. And it's just exciting. At the same time, in God's sovereignty and God's perfect plan, uh, we have a new partner that we are entering into a relationship with. This is New Sunset Community Church. It is in Colleen, Texas. And last Sunday, they voted... 100% to call Les Williams as their next pastor. And so uh, Les was, is our associate uh, youth pastor and uh, assistant minister for missions and church planting. And through the course of this last couple of months, uh, Les has been talking with New Sunset Community Church, in going through the, the pastor search with them, through the interview process with them. And uh, they called him last week. And so, uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. So for the next three years, First Baptist Church will be partnering with New Sunset Community Church in a revitalization effort as they seek to become a church in the, in the heart of Colleen, Texas, that's in a tough neighborhood in Colleen, and they just seek to share the gospel and love their community. And so I'm looking forward to that as we get to partner with them. So anyway, that's exciting, isn't it? Just as Renewal Church is, is ready to launch on their own, a, a new church comes along that we are ready to support and ready to get behind. And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the coming days. So hopefully you've returned to Romans 1, verses 16 through 17. Uh, this, uh, I'm not ashamed, today's sermon is the gospel for all. So let, let's read verses 16 and 17. 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This week I was with a team uh, from our church in Seattle and we worked with Epic Life Church. We met a lot of interesting people. We met Scott. I sat at a bus stop with Scott for two straight days for about an hour each day. Scott is an interesting man with some type of Christian past, extremely knowledgeable of, of Scripture. Something was just off, but he loved talking, and we talked, and we talked, and where he talked, and he talked, and I listened. And after, after two days of this, he was just so thankful. He said, it has been months since I've had a real conversation with anyone. And so I was just happy to meet Scott. We, we met Donna. Donna was a beautiful lady coming home from work, getting off the bus stop. Just by chance, we met her on an al- in an alleyway as, as we were heading back to Epic Life. Donna's a good lady. We asked her if she needed prayer. She said no, her life was pretty good. And as she shared her life, her life was pretty good. A lot of good things happened in her life, but she didn't know Jesus. We met Teandrick. Teandrick was a young man, had been in Seattle for about a month. He chased a girl. He chased a girl, and when he got there, she dumped him. But he liked Seattle better than where he came from, but he had no place to live, and he was sleeping on a bench near Taco Bell on Aurora Avenue. He had two job interviews, was hoping to be able to get some jobs just so that he could make some money, just so he could get an apartment, just so he could have some food. He didn't know Jesus, and he needs the gospel. We met Christine. Christine had just moved to the neighborhood. She was a lovely lady. You would love to have Christine as your neighbor. She had uh, two great children. She was friendly. She uh, was raising her children to be entrepreneurs. They were selling rocks on the side of their street. You could buy a rock or trade a rock. And then they uh, had a lemonade stand, uh, homemade Fresh squeezed lemonade, selling for two bucks. Um, as she was raising her children to figure out who they were going to be, we had to call them them and they rather than him and her or he and she. Christine needs the gospel. Your neighbor needs the gospel. The person you stand next to and H-E-B needs the gospel. The person you sit next to at the theater needs the gospel. The family member that you hold hands with and, and pray uh, a blessing over a meal, they need the gospel. You need the gospel. We all need the gospel. As we read our text this morning, there's really just one point. I'm, I got one point and four questions with the text today. First point, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. That's the point. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Really, this is the whole main point of the book. It's the thesis. 
It's the elements of this statement that you can find written out through the rest of this letter that Paul writes to the Romans. No matter what happens in my life, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Is that true in your life? I am not ashamed of the gospel. Can you say that? Can each of us in here say that? That I am not ashamed of the gospel. You know, there are different types of shame. There's different types of shame. There's the grief that we can experience over our personal sin. And we are ashamed. If we look at that image on our phone when we know we shouldn't, we are ashamed. If we make that purchase that we know we shouldn't, we're ashamed. If we overeat again and we feel this weight of shame on us, that's that's one type of shame, our, our personal sin. Another type of shame might be that the dirtiness of being violated. Many in this room have probably experienced that. Of someone touching in the wrong way and you have this dirtiness that you just want to take a shower and you feel that shame in that same vein, less intense might be that shame that you feel when you're, oh, initiated into someone. Maybe somebody literally, they pants you, they put your head in the toilet, they, they make fun of you, and you feel this, who, who am I? And it's this shame that can overwhelm you. There's also a, a shame that's a regret of an action or a choice. Maybe you voted for a political candidate and you wonder why did I do that and you have this sense of shame or uh, in in this sense of of an action maybe some of you you went to school one time and you were out of dress code and you you forgot your clothes that uh, that you could change into and your parents couldn't come bring a new set of clothes so they made you put on gray sweat uh, sweatpants and a gray sweatshirt for the rest of the day at school and that's a, a type of shame it's a you might regret your action or your choice. There's another type of shame that would be like embarrassment of association. Teenagers know this really well. When they don't want to stand next to mom and dad anymore, it usually happens around age 13, 14, where they just, kids, they don't, they don't want, they don't want anybody to even know that they have parents. And <laughs> there's that, that shame of, of embarrassment or, or being associated Here in this text, for I am not ashamed, this would be, I don't regret my choice. Paul here is saying, I do not regret the choice I made to follow Jesus. And it can also be, I do not regret being associated with Jesus. Are you ever ashamed of being associated with Jesus? Has that ever happened to you? You've been in a conversation. Somebody started talking bad about the church maybe or even questioning Jesus. And instead of defending Him and defending your faith, you kind of smile and nod and 
and tell yourself or convince yourself, no, now is not the time to challenge that. We can be ashamed of the gospel and it, and it happens and it's wrong. And I think it would be important for us to admit that when it happens. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says. I'm not ashamed of what the gospel did to me or does for me. I was once a sinner, but now I'm forgiven. I'm not ashamed of that. I don't like my singing voice personally. I do not like my singing voice, but, but now I can sing. I can't help but sing of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. I'm, I am shy in the core of my being, but I cannot help but stand here today and proclaim the gospel to you. I cannot help but share, though I may be pushed back. You used to, you used to be totally self-consumed, perhaps. And then you met Jesus. And now He's made you selfless. That's nothing to be ashamed of. You used to still maybe shoplift. You made sure you got yours. And then you met Jesus... And now because of the gospel, you give more than you keep. That is nothing to be ashamed of. You used to be addicted to pornography. Then you met Jesus. And now you work with young men who overcome or avoid that trap. Don't be ashamed. You used to be trapped in your own mind, paralyzed, paralyzed by what you perceived others to think of you. And then you met Jesus and he showed you that it was only his thoughts of you that mattered. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of what the gospel does to you or did to you. And not only do not be ashamed of what the gospel does for you, but don't be ashamed of what it can do for others. Even if they reject you, don't be ashamed. Even if they argue with you, do not be ashamed. Even if they embarrass you, do not be ashamed. Even if they ridicule you, do not be ashamed. I pray that none of us in here who are believers will regret our decision to follow Jesus. I pray that none of us in this room who are followers of Jesus will be embarrassed or uh, be afraid to be associated with Jesus, with His church, and with the truth of the gospel. There is no shame in Jesus. So that's point number one. I am not ashamed of the gospel question number one that comes with that why am i not ashamed of the gospel (laughs) if you look at the text there are two parallel statements why i am not ashamed of the gospel in verse 16 it says for it is the power of god for salvation and in verse 17 it says for in it The righteousness of God is revealed. I am not ashamed of the gospel because when it is preached, it shows the power of God and the righteousness of God. When the gospel is preached, people see God for who He is in His righteousness and in His power. When we we as people see God for who He is, then we see ourselves for who we are. And the contrast between God and man could not be more stark. He is righteous. We are unrighteous. He is perfect. We are imperfect. He is patient. We are impatient. When we as people embrace our depravity, when we embrace His 
righteousness, then we are at the doorstep of salvation. It is only God's power over sin and death that could overcome the great punishment that we deserve and change our status from dead to alive, exchanging our unrighteousness for His righteousness. It is the power of God for salvation. Salvation from what? Salvation from what? What are you being saved from? What is, what is there to be saved from? I mean, we, <coughs> we live this life. It's, I mean, we enjoy life. We, we wake up. Uh, we go to work if, if we're employed. We, we make money. Uh, we pay our bills. We get to eat good food. We get to enjoy life. We get to enjoy entertainment. Why does there have to be something that we are afraid of? Why does, why should there be something that we fear? Every person has to face this question. I mean, we live life. We live life. Why do we have to preach that there's something to be afraid of? Something to fear. We have to preach it. We have to say it because it's in the text. It's there. It's in the Bible. There is a real place and it is called hell. And it will, everyone will face it. Isn't that enough? That there is a place that if your neighbor does not know Jesus, the moment they stop breathing, they will have experienced all of heaven that they ever will on this earth. And they are going to be in hell forever. That is enough. Whether their name is Scott or Donna or James or Beatrice, or whoever, if they die, and if they stop breathing, if they, not, not are in, if they are not in Christ, hell will be a reality for the rest of their eternity. Isn't that enough for, to compel us to not be ashamed of the gospel and what it has done for us and what it can do for them? Isn't that enough? There was a lady this past week first full day on Sunday, Sunday afternoon, one of the members of our team in Seattle got to share with Beatrice. And as far as we can tell, Beatrice accepted the Lord Sunday afternoon in a park in Seattle. Now, will that Epic Life Church work that out and continue to work Beatrice to figure out how to disciple her and and, and they are connected with her, and that's great. But Beatrice, if that decision she made is real, in that moment, her destiny, her destiny changed from eternity without God to eternity with God. And she experienced the power of God for salvation. That's amazing. So... Why am I not ashamed of the gospel? Because it is the only hope in this world. There is no hope outside of Jesus. That is why we cannot shrink back. That is why we will not stay in our place. That is why we cannot remain silent. That is why we cannot allow ourselves to be silenced by our own fears or by those who wish to cancel our voice. 
We cannot be ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of salvation and for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. Question number two, who receives the salvation offered through the gospel? Verse 16, it says, to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Who receives the salvation offered through the gospel? Everyone who believes. I want to read this verse to you, Romans 10, verses 11 through 13. It pretty much explains the verse. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing the riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So question number two, who receives the salvation offered through the gospel? Everyone who believes. Question number three, how does someone find out about the gospel? Look in verse 17, where it says, from faith for faith. Some of your translations may say, from faith to faith. Historically, this section of Scripture in Romans is talking about the the Jews and the Jewish faith and how the gospel came through the, the, the seed of David in through Jesus and then was passed to the Christian faith. From faith to faith. From the Jewish faith to the Christian faith. Historically speaking, that is true. But this text can also be taken individually. From faith for faith or from faith to faith. And here we go. From one heart to the next heart. That is how the gospel is shared. How does someone find out about the gospel? from one person to the next person. The gospel is spread from one heart to the next heart. The kingdom of God spreads from one heart to the next heart. Salvation is spread from one heart to the next heart. Uh, Continuing in Romans chapter 10, expands a little bit even further. If you go to Romans chapter 10, verse 14, how then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed? What has he heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. From the time of the resurrection of Jesus to now... The gospel has spread from one heart to the next. Right now, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you possess the gospel through an unbroken line of faith from one heart to the next. Is that line going to break because of you? You have a lineage of faith that has lasted since the Christ event. The gospel has spread from one heart to the next. Time and time again throughout history, from one person to the next, one person sharing the gospel, one person sharing a verse, one person praying for someone, one person encouraging someone, one person telling them how they can meet Jesus. And it has passed from heart to heart to heart, from Jesus to you. Is that gospel going to stop at your heart? 
Or is it going to pass on to the next heart? You cannot be ashamed of the gospel. You've got to let it flow from you to the next. You need a lineage of the gospel from your heart to the next. So how does someone find out about the gospel? By you sharing it. Question four. What does someone do with the gospel? In our text, it says, the final sentence, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. If you are not a believer, what you do with the gospel is you embrace it for the first time. That's what you do. You hear it and you receive it. You embrace it. You believe it. If you are not a believer, that's what you do by faith. If you are a believer, your response is to walk in it, live in it, live by it, preach it, and share it through faith. The righteous, which means those in Christ, those in Christ will live by faith. So point one, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Question one, why am I not ashamed of the gospel? Because it's the power of salvation. The power of God for salvation. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Question two, who receives the salvation offered through the gospel? Everyone who believes. Question three, how does someone find out about the gospel? From us. From one heart to the next. Question four, what does someone do with the gospel? They receive it by faith. They live in it by faith. They preach it by faith. So we've talked all around this. Are you ashamed of the gospel? I pray not. The gospel is for everyone, those not in Christ and those in Christ. I pray that you will never regret your choice that you made to follow Jesus. I pray that you'll never be embarrassed to be associated with the gospel, with Christ himself and with this church. There's a group that I fear for most in this church, in any church. There is always in a church, especially in our size, unlost, no, excuse me, lost church members. I fear for you. If if you are a person who in your life You have pretty much come to church most of your whole life. You kind of were raised in church. You've done the church thing. And you're happy to come on Sunday morning because that's what a good Christian does. If your Christianity has been and is defined by your coming to the church, if your Christianity is and has been defined by attending that next Bible study, But you always find yourself afraid to share the gospel. Look deep into your life. Look deep into yourself. Do you really know him? Because if you really know him, you would not be able to help but share him. Over the course of these next few weeks, we'll talk about this a little bit more. I I pray for the lost church members. There may be some in here. And there's this sense of shame that you have because you wrestle with every time a sermon like this is preached. You wrestle and you have an invitation and you think, should I, 
should I go up forward and figure this out? But then you think, no, everyone's, everyone's going to, people will be ashamed of me if I do that. There is no shame in the gospel. Um, I need to land this plane. Um, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And I pray that First Baptist Belton will be a church that is known because we are not ashamed to share the gospel. Lord, Lord, I pray that none of us in here who are believers would be ashamed, but you would give us a, a spirit of power, not one of fear, that you would indwell us so richly that we couldn't help but share the goodness of God. We need you so desperately. Those in here who do not know you need you so desperately just so that they can walk with you and understand what that means. Those of us in here who who do know you, we need you every day. We need the gospel to be true every day in our lives because we need your grace every day. Lord, I thank you for my church. I thank you for First Baptist Belton and for the light that it is in this community. And I pray that it would be a strong light as we love people so well, as we meet needs, physical needs, and spiritual needs. Um, God, we, we trust you for these moments, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. This morning you have an invitation to come to Jesus. You can do that right where you are. If you're somebody who just needs to deal with Jesus right where you are, please do so. But if you feel you would like to have a conversation, we can have a conversation. and Come, come to me. I'll be right down here in, in front of this uh, table. And you can come chat with me or, or I'll, I'll hand you to a staff member who's here who's, who would love to um, share with you as well and, and, and discuss with you matters of, of the gospel. So let's stand together and have our invitation. If you would like more information, visit our church website at www.fbcbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street in Belton, Texas. We hope to see you soon.